Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Money 101. How about that? God can't get involved in your finances if you don't give him something to work with. That's one of the things we started off with last week. And how does he get involved? He gets involved when you give. We talked about tithing. We talked about the fact that, that you, you are supposed to tithe. It's not optional. Um, and, I, and I wrote myself a little note on here. I wanted to be clear on this. Don't be stingy when it comes to tithing. You say, well, how can you be stingy? 10% is 10%. Yeah, but the principle is this. Jacob said this over in Genesis 28 chapter. He said, Lord, of all that you give to me, I will surely give the tenth to you. Did you hear that? Of all that you give me. I, you know, I know there are people who think the only thing I need to tithe on is my paycheck. Well, it, what else is increase in your life? What else is increase? If God brings it into your life, you need to tithe on it. I mean, do you, how, how nitpicky do you want to get? Well, I, for me, myself, I'm pretty nitpicky. You know, BP has had this, this gift card thing going on. You know, that if you get five fill-ups, you know, you send these cards in, you know, they'll send you a $10 gift certificate back. You know, well, I, I did that three times. You know, I got $30 worth of things. I tithed on it. It was increased to me. You know, some people think, well, I just, I, I'm just going to, as far as my paycheck is concerned, I'm just going to tithe on what I bring home. No, that's not what you made. What you made is gross. Yeah, but I didn't bring it home. Well, so what? It's just a bill. Taxes are nothing more than a bill they took out before you had a chance to get your hands on it. So, you know, tithe on the gross, not on the net. Don't be stingy. You know, I, I, I look around and when we have birthdays, you know, we tithe on it. If I can figure out a value to something, I tithe on it. I have a beautiful little bracelet on here that somebody gave me back about a month ago. And I went online, looked it up as best I could to find out what it was worth, and I tithed on it. Sometimes it takes a little digging to find out what something is worth. But if somebody gave you something, was it a blessing? Tithe on it. Amen. I should have gotten some bigger amens on that. We ought to see this big, huge boost of our finances around Christmas because you all got blessed with something. But I don't usually. I don't usually see that. You know, and I'm thinking, well, there's all times during the year, you know, we all get stuff, you know, it ought, it ought to be reflected in there somewhere. I just want to make sure I honor God with everything he puts in my life that I consider increase. Everything. It's an honor to do that. I mean, I should take every opportunity I can to honor the Lord because he's blessed me so abundantly. So when more blessings come into my life, tithe on it. You know, my parents, uh, my parents established tithing in me when I was very young and they established tithing for themselves when, when, you know, early in life. And so when the day came that my father finally sold a piece of property and netted a million dollars out of it, he tithed on it. Now, there's a, a lot of folks that, you know, it's easy to tithe 10 bucks on 100. It's easy to tithe $100 on 1,000. But when you get up to a million, it's like, <laughs> and my father's financial guy went, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. When, I, when, they, when they got through the closing, I said, so you're going to tithe on that to the church, right? And this guy went, oh, whoa, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And I looked at him and went, what do you mean you can't do that? 
And he's, we have some financial considerations we have to do first, you know. So they did put it off for a little while, which was, didn't make me too happy, but it's not my money. So uh, they found, finally got around to it, and I thought, boy, your church just got blessed when you finally got around to it. Hallelujah. But tithe on it. When you sell a house, what profit did you make on it? Tithe on it. If you sell something for a profit, tithe on it. Don't be stingy with God. You expect him to pour out upon you abundantly. Well, then honor him in return by doing the same, by always being conscious of if this is increased, bless God, I'm going to figure out what it is and I'm going to tithe on it. And you ought to establish that with your children. If you've got young children, establish that at an early age. Teach them that when they get things, to tithe on it. You are setting them up for success in life by doing that. My children got scholarship money. They tithed on that. They found a way, whatever they could, to, to get money to tithe on their scholarships. That was increased to them, wasn't it? Of course it was. You know, and so just look at it that way. Is it increased? I'm going to find a way to tithe on it. Some big things may come your way. You think, well, I don't have the money to tithe on this. I mean, you know, something, somebody gave me something really big that's not cash. But, you know, you may have to figure out a way to little by little put your tithe in on that. You know, I think God would be happy with that. You know, if you don't have the cash to do it, but do it. Anyway, uh, so we talked about the fact that the building fund in a local church is not something that's just like, oh, well, I can do that if I want to. We looked at the principle of that over in Haggai where he talked about, you know, here you are living in your fancy houses and God's house is in ruins. So my thinking is God's house comes first. If I put God's house first, he puts mine first. I tell you what, I know quite a few years ago, we started with the building fund. Um, I made, we made a decision that we would never go backwards in, the, in what our giving was. And so I'm here to tell you, God has blessed us by giving to the building fund. Anybody else can say, you know, you, God has blessed you because if you're giving to the, you've, you got more now than what you did before you ever started giving. And it's a principle. I put God's house first. He puts my house first. You know, that's how that goes. Then we also found out that missions, that Philippians 4.19 is directly tied to missions giving. Okay, um, so we went on. Purpose of prosperity is to be able to be a blessing. In Deuteronomy, we talked about that the purpose of prosperity is to establish his covenant in the earth. And to do that, we need to be generous people. God wants to bless us. He wants us to be the epitome of blessed people. When you first think of somebody who's Jewish, what do you think? Money. Those people got money. When people look at you, they ought to say, that person's got money. Because God has established his covenant in you. It should be that obvious. That when they look at you, they say, blessed. Blessed, blessed, blessed. Those people are blessed. You know, that's what he wants. When people drive by this church, they look at this church and go, well, that's a, that's a, that's a blessed church. Well, that, that's a nice church. It's blessed. Well, that's exactly what they're supposed to think. And when they look at you personally, that's what they're supposed to think. Hallelujah. To be generous is to, is to be liberal, and he who waters will all be, also be watered himself. The liberal soul will be made fat. I like that kind of fat. I don't like other kinds of fat, but I like that kind of fat. You know, so you have to purpose in your heart. What are you going to be? Are you going to be generous? Are you going to be selfish? Self-centered or people-centered? All kinds of giving are available to you. Tithing, building fund. Uh, missions, giving to, to the poor, which does not mean somebody who doesn't have money. It means somebody who has a need. 
You know, when you give somebody like Marion who has great needs, you know, in her home because of the, of the thing that she feels like she's called to, when, you're, when you bless her, you're giving to the poor. So you need to, need to always just look for ways to be a blessing to someone. You never know what that need may be. Just because you look at somebody and say, and, I, and I've heard people say this, oh, well, why would you give to so-and-so? But they don't have any needs. Well, how do you know? How do you know? You know, just because you don't see them whining about something doesn't mean they don't have a need. You know, when we come in here, you know, without a care in the world, it's not because there's not some need knocking at the door. You know, it's just because we've rolled that care over onto him and expect God to supply that need. You can be an instrument of blessing. Even when it does, if God puts somebody on your heart, don't question the why. Just say, here am I, Lord. I'll do what you said to do and just and go on. Okay, we also talked about the fact that no amount of faith can make up for poor money management. God's financial plan does work. And we went back to Haggai uh, chapter one and uh, the verse that says, consider your ways. If you don't think it's working, I suggest you consider your ways. There are some reasons why it doesn't work for some people and it's not on God's end. It's never on God's end. Establish that up front. It's never on God's end. Prosperity is progressive. When you obey God, keep your priorities straight, and you're wise in your business affairs, you will prosper. You will prosper. There is no doubt about it. You will prosper. Um, Luke 18.8 says, For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The Williams translation says, Act with more business sense than the men who enjoy spiritual light. That should not be so. You know, we should be wise to the ways of this world, wise to financial issues, wise in, in the way we handle our money. And, um, and the reason that some people don't have that wisdom is because the lust of the flesh gets in, the lust of the eyes, I see it, I want it, I got to have it. Pride of life, you know, we just want, 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 I want this, I want this, I want this. You know, I said last week that the lust of the eyes is like kids who go into the Toys R Us at Christmas. I want it, I want it, I want it. I don't, they don't even know what it is and they want it, you know. And, uh, you know, you, you, can't just, you can't just want something because somebody else has it. You know, that's keeping up with the Joneses thing, you know, is not good. And we know that over in, in 1 Timothy, it says that the love of money is the root of all evil. You don't have to be a rich person to love money. You could be somebody who doesn't have anything and have such a love of money that it's, it's consuming to you. The fact that you don't have it is consuming to you. And so when you get some, that kind of a person just takes it and just keeps it and hoards it up. Or then usually what happens is they waste it on things they have no business spending it on because that's not a, a wise decision that they've made. Remember that everything we have comes from God. He is the source of everything that we have. And we looked at uh, some verses over in Deuteronomy about that. Uh, we also have to be good stewards over what God has given us. Matthew 25, 21 says, when we've been faithful over a few things, he's going to make us ruler over, over many. If you don't have a firm foundation to build on when it comes to finances, you'll never have anything that will stand the test of time. Uh, we make the most of what we have by developing and maintaining good financial habits. I have a relative that when she was young, she was great with money. You know, I think somebody once said, you know, she squeezed a penny so, so hard you could, hear it, you could hear it squeal. You know, that's kind of the way she was. But over the years, as years progressed, a series of bad decisions, she's a 
terrible money manager. Now, somebody's always having to bail this person out, you know, and it just, you have to develop it, you have to maintain it. Um, Proverbs, we said, you've got to have a budget. You've got to have it. You have to know where your money is coming in and where it's going out. And the best way to do it is to write it down. Habakkuk says to write the vision. We're going to say write the budget so it's plain. You can see it. And we started talking about some things, and I, and I gave you an abbreviated list. Let me give you a little longer list about some things that, that have to do with your budget. Number one, don't base your budget on minimal amounts. Because then you'll think you've got all this extra that you can work with. And when something happens and it's higher than what you expected, then it's like crisis panic mode sets in. So don't do that. Two, stick to the budget. There's no point in having a budget if you're not going to stick to it. It's like having the diet on the refrigerator, you know, and all the ice cream in there that you can eat. Not a good plan. Number three, learn to say no. Discipline your flesh. Sometimes it's good to say no to your flesh just because you should say no. Not for no reason, but just because, no, I'm going to exercise some discipline over my flesh, and I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to spend my money on that. I'm not going to purchase this. Remember we said last week, just because you can buy something doesn't mean you should. Uh, number four, count the cost. Before you go on any endeavor, before you go on a vacation, before you buy a house, before you buy a car, before you commit to a, like renovation projects, you know, count the cost. Know up front what it's going to cost you. And then, and then figure out, is this reasonable? Is this a reasonable expense that, that I can undertake? And uh, figure that out. Number five, don't max out your income with commitments. When you do, you become a slave to debt. You don't want to be a slave to anything but the Lord. You know, we don't want to be serving anything except God. But when, you know, you get to a place in your finances where you've got so many commitments out there, you become a servant to those debts. And all you can do is just keep on making as much as you can just to service the debt that you've got. That's not the way to live, folks. You know, God wants us, he wants, to, he wants to add to us without adding any extra work to it. We ought to learn to work smarter, not harder. I believe that was something that Melissa uh, Stamper preached on not too long ago. Learn to work smarter, not harder. Uh, number seven, leave some room for non-committed money. Non-committed in the sense of debt. You know, I think Larry Burkett is the one who said, you know, the best principle you could operate under is that if you give 10% to God, you ought to set aside 10% for yourself and put it in a little place over here where you, you don't touch it unless you know you're supposed to touch it. You know, sometimes you can have money saved up, but it, maybe something comes up, you know, unexpected. That really even doesn't even mean you ought to touch it then. You know, sometimes you know you've got the money, but this is a good opportunity just to believe God for the extra to come in to cover that instead of tapping into the resources that you've already got laid aside. But when a big crisis does come, then you've got this laid aside already. You know that there's, a, you think, well, that's not faith. Well, yeah, it is. You know, isn't that kind of what we do every single day when we spend time in the Word? We're building up a storehouse of faith. We're keeping ourselves built up so when the crisis time comes, you know, we've already got a storehouse built up and so it doesn't knock our feet out from under us. It's the same principle with money. So you need to, to set aside some non-committed. Set aside some just for fun. Listen, if you're going to be successful on a diet, 
you need to set aside a couple of little cheap things in there, a couple of little fun things in there. Same thing is true with money. You can't just lock yourself down to just, you know, all the time. Leave yourself a little bit of room in there. Go out to have some fun, to go out and enjoy yourself, you know, to do something fun with it. Um, don't commit under pressure. Oh, how many times? Anybody besides me ever committed to something under pressure because, okay, this is the last day. This is, oh, if you don't do this now, you'll never get this deal again. Uh, that kind of stuff. Oh, Steve was just a baby, what, three months old when this man showed up at our door and he wasn't home and uh, gave me this whole spiel about this, this album, this family album we could start and, and these pictures. And if you pay all this up front, you know, then you get to do all this and have, have you these enlargements made for free. And, uh, 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 and so he talked me into it. And when he came home and I told him what I'd done, you did what? You know, it really kind of helps if you're married to make sure that you've got a, a target limit. We don't go beyond spending this amount of money without talking to each other. You know, it's kind of nice to have the other person to bounce it off of to say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> or, or say, you know, that's a good idea. We, we ought to do that. You know, so it helps to have somebody you can kind of talk this over with and, and be in agreement. It was not good around our house for a couple of days, you know, after I did that. And uh, I learned a good, valuable lesson on that one. So we don't do that. Didn't do that. Of course, now... If there's anybody who knows me very well, these days I'm considered the, the miser in my family. You know, the, the tight wad, <laughs> the penny pincher, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah he'll agree with that. So anyway, um, don't commit under pressure. Listen, there will be another good deal. Today is not the last day. You know, if you give in too soon, you'll pay more than what you probably ought to. There's always something better down the road. Always. So if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. Just don't do it. Hallelujah. I like at least one amen there. Uh, set some, uh, plan, plan ahead for things that are not routine expenses. Birthdays, Christmas, vacations. You know, those are good examples. If you see those things coming, set some aside. Set a little bit aside here and a little bit aside there. Set a limit of what you'll spend and don't go over your limit. You know, Christmas is bad, you know, for that kind of thing. Everybody gets in the store, we get carried away with wanting to buy this and wanting to buy this and wanting to buy this, wanting to buy this. Listen, you can go to the store and believe God for lots of sales. Keep it within your budget. I'm going to spend this much and this much only on Christmas as a total. And then... Believe God to keep yourself within the bounds of that budget. You know, there's no point in you being June paying off last Christmas. You know, you ought to have Christmas paid off at the end of December. Okay? Don't go into the year with pressure like that. You know, that you overspent. Listen, nobody, if, 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 you were, if you're really honest, you don't really enjoy something that you've received as a gift from somebody when you know they can't afford it when you know that they've gone way above and beyond what they should have done, that this is not wisdom for them. I mean, you, you want to say, take this back. No, don't give this to me. And, oh, I want you. And I appreciate the heart that's behind it. But at the same time, I don't appreciate, it doesn't make me enjoy what it is they gave me when I know they couldn't, have, they couldn't afford it. 
Um, unless it was something the Lord led them to do, which that doesn't usually happen at Christmas. I'm here to tell you. We all get caught up in the, in the thing with Christmas, all the whole, the whole business. And so we usually overspend. And so anyway, set, uh, set some limits on those things that are not routine. Then you need to set some short-term and some long-term goals. Like, I want to have this credit card paid off by six months from now. That's a short-term goal. Well, along, what's a long-term goal? Long-term goal can be a major purchase. We're going to save up for a house. We're going to save up for a new car. It's a little longer term. Actually, that's kind of a medium interim kind of a, a, kind of a goal, uh, something like a car. You know, when you have a car payment and you pay off that car, keep making the payment, but make it to yourself so that when you have to turn around and, and replace the one you just paid off, you've got a nice chunk of change in there to go toward the new car. Because number one, the prices will have gone up, okay? And you don't want to finance as much as you maybe you financed the last time. There's nothing wrong with financing stuff as long as you know you can pay it each month. Don't overcommit to things. You know, well, it's only an extra, it's only an extra fifty dollars. Well, you know, if you say that about a lot of things, suddenly you are deep in the hole with a budget. You can't afford to do that. Set set your limits. Stick to them. Remember that credit cards are a tool, not a crutch. Don't find yourself living off credit cards. Oh, that's bad. Bad place to be there. But if you have, if you if you have gotten to that place then we got to find a plan to get you out of that so that it becomes nothing more than a tool. I have got myself, I have two credit cards. I love my American Express, and the only reason I carry a MasterCard is because there are people who won't take my American Express. But that American Express is paid off, and that MasterCard is paid off every single month, and, and the, the American Express is a tool to me. I put everything I can on that because I get points. I've been to Hawaii on those points. You know, it's taken some while to build up those kind of points. But, hey, when it gets you a nice airline ticket, you know, that was good investment of my time to make sure that I've got those, those credit card receipts and, and I have put those things on the credit card. So many times, you know, warranties are extended because you use a certain credit card. Most of the time, if you have an issue with something, you can take it back because of your credit card. Um, you're not taking money out of your, your account until you make sure you're going to keep this particular item. There's nothing worse than paying for something with cash or especially with a check. And you go to take it back and they say, well, you have to wait seven days for your check to clear before we can give your money back. Well, you know, with a credit card, at least for me, it's just a matter of paperwork. That's all it is. You know, they didn't take my money yet, so I can just get back to you and we're, we're, we're clear. We're okay. Um, record keeping is a big one. Balance your checkbook every day. Every, every time you write a check, balance your checkbook so you know what you've got to deal with. Uh, I, uh, the only check I have bounced in 30 years was to, was to Faith Christian Fellowship. <laughs> that was the old name, in case you don't know. That was our name before it became Impact. And the reason was because I didn't do the math. Now, those were days when we lived, I mean, paycheck to paycheck, day to day, and a $10 error made me bounce a check. And so uh, keep your checkbook up to date. 
Write stuff in your checkbook. I know I don't like debit cards a whole lot, but I know a lot of people who really do. The only problem with debit cards is if you're in a household of two people, you're using a debit card, I'm using a debit card, and nobody is communicating about who spent what, and it's easy to overdraw on something. And so keep your transactions posted in your checkbook. Make sure that they get in there. Keep it balanced. Keep it... Keep it up to date because Proverbs 27, 23 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. So you need to know the state of your bank account and look well to your purchases and to your bills. You know, so I think that's a, a pretty good you know, synopsis of, of budgets. Never put yourself in a position of having to believe God just to survive. Devil will do that for you. Yeah, he, he's more than capable of making sure that you always have plenty of opportunities to believe God. Don't put yourself there by poor choices and bad decisions. And what you, what you think you're sacrificing today, oh, well, I, no, I'm not going to have this, I'm not going to have it. You'll reap the benefits of later. The people who, you know, there are a lot of people. In fact, is I read a, um, a book one time called The Millionaire Next Door. And uh, it was a short little, maybe it was just an excerpt in the Reader's Digest from somebody. And it was talking about people who, that you would never, would never know that they're millionaires at all because they live so modestly. And you think, well, you know, why you got all this money? Well, why aren't you spending it? I mean, you could have, you could have a, you know, a new car every year instead of you're driving one that's five years old. Well, these are kind of the kind of people who made decisions. They didn't need a new car every year. They had better things to spend. They would place their money in something that was going to earn them something, invest them. So when the day came, they retired. They didn't have to wonder, will Social Security meet all my needs? Will I be able to live? Will I be able to do this? Can I afford to retire? You know, those are people who learn to sacrifice what other people thought was sacrifice. You know, they didn't think it was sacrifice at all. But they learned to live within a certain area of income and they set aside for the future something so that down the road they could enjoy themselves and they could retire from a job and they wouldn't have to be concerned about whether they could afford to live or not. Too many people are in a place right now that they're not even sure they're going, they can eat, you know, because they don't have enough money in retirement and, and they're not working, you know, so they're just, it's what Dr. Ed calls a fixed income. Who fixed it? Well, sometimes we fixed it. Nobody else, but we fixed it, you know, so you don't want to be there. So we talked about, too, what do you do if you're in a pickle? Number one, repent. James 1 says, count all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Well, you know, just look at it, you know, and just go on. You know, say, Lord, I am sorry. And the mercy of God is always there. I appreciate the story Steve Morgan told uh, a year or so ago about the fact that he had bought this... um, what was it, triplex or something? Was it a triplex in Lake City? An eightplex. And so he just thought, man, this is going to generate a whole bunch of income, you know, and this is going to pay for itself and, and all this. And so he got down the road. He had issues with it, and it wasn't bringing any income in. He was having a payout, which was not making Rachel happy and all this. And then one day he just said, Lord, I came to the realization that I never asked you what you thought about this. You know, I just looked at it and thought, oh, this looks like a good thing. And I just jumped into it without even, without even considering, you know, what you'd have to say about it. And so, Lord, I'm sorry. Obviously, my plans were not the best plans. He repented. God got him out of that situation. But it cost him. It cost him all that money he had had to put into it. 
It cost him all that. You know, we've been there. Um, back in 1972, we had been living out in Gilchrist County for a couple of years. <clears throat> you know, out there where the land is so poor, the rabbits have to take their lunch. And, hmm? 80, 82, I'm sorry, yeah, 82. And so we, had, we were wanting to move into town, and we'd been wanting to move into town, but we couldn't find anything. Back in those days, there was almost nothing to rent in the city of High Springs. I mean, you couldn't find anything. So that's why we were 16 miles out. Well, we found this house, and it was an older house right in the older section of High Springs. And it was a neat house, but it was an older house. And um, so we looked at it, and of course, you know, the, the need is there to move into town. You know, you, the, the desire is there to move into town. And so we set this thing up with the man who owned this house that we would move into it, we would rent it. We gave him a first month and a, and a deposit, I think about $800 altogether, which was hard to come by back then. And, and he said he would give us this place to, for rent, and we could also have the option to purchase it. You know, some of the rent would go toward purchasing it. Well, oh, the more we moved in, more things we moved into that house, the sicker I got. Just the sicker I got. It's not something we stopped and said, okay, Lord, is this a good? Never even considered what God might have to say about it. And so in the middle of the night before we were supposed to move the next day, I, I said, are you asleep? I'm sorry. Are you asleep? And he's going, no. And I said, I can't move in that house. I just can't. I, ca I can't do it. I don't know what's, what's the problem. Is. I just can't. I cannot move in that house. And he goes, really? And I'm going, yeah, I, I can't do that. And he goes, okay. Were you in total agreement with that at the time? Or were you just kind of like, uh, you don't remember. I don't remember either. We, we, we were kind of, we, yeah, we were, I think we were in agreement about this thing. So the next morning we called the man and said, we cannot move into your house. We're sorry. And uh, he was not happy with us. But we, we moved the stuff out. He, I went to work because worked in the doctor's office here in town. And he came by the, the office over there just uh, a couple of hours later. He goes, are you sure? You don't, you, we, you don't you feel you think we ought to be there. I said, I know we're not supposed to be there. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Yeah, you're right. So we got all of our stuff out of the house. We had about half of it in there. We got it all back out of there. And this man was so nice, he wouldn't give us our money back. And I thought, well, you know, I was angry. But who was, who was I going to be angry at? I mean, he, it was his right to keep that money. You know, he had committed to something. We had committed to something, and we backed out. So it cost us money cost us money. So, you know, repent. God will do something good for you. We wound up going back to where we were living, called the man that was the place we, had, we were living, and said, oh, we're not going to move after all. We had lived there here for two years, never been late the first time on rent, and he goes, what? Well, you just can't stay. You have to be out by the end of the month anyway. And I'm thinking, what? You know, this is kind of like double compounding a bad decision. You know, they've got one guy who's keeping my money and another guy who's kicking us out now. So where do we go? When the day came, we had to be out. We loaded up a U-Haul. We came to town. We looked, we looked around to see if there's anything to rent. We looked in the paper. There was nothing to rent. The Herald was going to come out the next day. We knew that they had, knew what their ads were. We went down there. Do you have any new listings for rental property in there? No, you don't. So we lived in the church office for the next three weeks. That was an exciting period of time. 
This is not, yeah, this is not the testimony of the way to do things, no. But during that time, you know, you go, Lord, I'm sorry, you know, we just blew it big time. And the house that I knew I had always wanted opened up. And the people called us up and said, well, I understand you're looking for something to rent. Would you be interested in, in renting our house? I went, we might, we might. And how much would it be? And she told me, I went, yeah, let me talk about that. You know, you can't jump too quick. And sure enough, we moved in that house. We eventually bought it. We lived there for 19 years. You know, so God redeemed all of that. You know, but so if you find yourself in a, in a jam, just repent. God will get you out. It may cost you something, but God will turn the thing around so that, you know, you come out good on the other side of it. Learn from your mistakes. If you don't, you're doomed to repeat them. Seek good, sound financial advice from somebody who's already successful at it. Okay? Don't go to the, to the relative who's, who's in bankruptcy. That's not a good person to ask. No. Unless you're asking what things not to do. You know, and hopefully he'll give you a very objective answer. Uh, keep your priorities straight. I said this last week. Don't stop giving. Just because you're in a financial bound, don't stop giving. Some people automatically go, okay, got to cut this off because this is, this is a choice I can make. Really, it's not. Your giving isn't really a choice you can make. It is a choice you can make. God will let you choose whatever you want to choose. He'll let you make a decision, any, any kind of decision you want. He's not going to force you to do anything. But it's really not the choice you want to make. Because when you do that, you cut yourself off from God's involvement in what he can do to help you. Because you're not looking at God as who, the, who the, he is, and that is your source. He is the source. So don't cut him off. Um, Cut your spending if you have to, down to bare necessities. Bare necessities. Turn the AC up to 80 when it's summertime. You know, learn how to eat leftovers. I know a lot of people don't like leftovers. Learn to eat leftovers. You know, whatever it takes, you cut it down to the bare necessities to get yourself past this. I'm telling you, when you do this, you will learn some lessons that you won't forget. Hallelujah. Uh, stop spending. If it's, if it's not an absolute necessity, you don't spend it. You don't, you, don't, you don't take that credit card out. You don't take that checkbook out. You know, put a little bit of cash in your pocket. This is all I've got to spend. You know, period. End of sentence. God will provide, you know, over, over, over and above right here. This is it. Don't avoid your creditors. Talk to them. Be right up front with them. You know, say, this is where I'm at. How can you help me? And believe God for favor. You know, he'll do it. He will move in your behalf. And get a Holy Ghost plan. Get a Holy Ghost plan. Not an Angela plan, a Holy Ghost plan. Not one of your plans, one of God's plans. And then stick to it. He will lead you out. And the thing about it is, when God gives you a plan, just follow what you know to do. And if, you, if you're accurate in following that, he'll give you more. More direction as you go. Hallelujah. Uh, so much, we talked last week, and I won't really spend a lot of time on this, so much of our financial success depends on being led. You know, that's why this, the series he's been doing on, on knowing God's will and hearing God's voice is so important. It affects every part of your life. When, some, when you're about to do something financially and something in here just, just kind of goes, mm, stop and consider what's going on right here. Be led. Sometimes it's not the right, there's nothing wrong with what you're about to do, except maybe it's just not the right time for you. Maybe this isn't the right dealership or vendor to be buying it from. Um, 
Maybe it's just not the right price. Maybe God's got a better price for you just down the street. I mean, it could be from little things to big things. We were in Gainesville a couple of weeks ago, and we have rediscovered the Briars Heath Bar ice cream. And I went, well, I had brought some a couple of weeks before because I found it at a really good deal somewhere. I brought his own. Oh, I forgot how good this stuff was. So we had eaten all of that. It didn't take long. And we were in Gainesville, and I, he said, ooh, do we have any more of that ice cream at home? Because we were headed home. I said, no, nah, we ate it all. And he goes, oh. I said, the best price in town is over there at Super Walmart, but I am not going back to that side of town just to get ice cream. No way. Sometimes Publix has it on sale. Why don't we stop by here by the Publix? Went there, came out. I said, buy one, get one free. (laughs) You know, God can lead you in the small things as well as the big things, you know? You know, it's just, there are times when I just know, go over here and check on this. Go here and check on this. Go here. And I'm going to walk in and go, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good, good price. Good, good price. We like this. See, God will keep you from spending a lot of your money. That's, a, that's as much of a blessing as his, as his providing extra to meet a need. You know, so just, just listen on the inside of you. When you develop a good track record of being led on small things, you will have more confidence when it comes to the big things. See, this is not just for God's sake. It's for your sake. When you're led and you can see where you've got a good track record in these little areas, then when you need direction on a bigger area, you have more confidence in your ability to hear what what the Holy Spirit is telling you, how that that leading is, is manifesting itself on the inside of you. Well, I have got something that I didn't get to last week that I want to talk to you about when it comes to finances. You know, we talked about the fact that that God wants to establish his covenant in the earth. That's one of the purposes of our prosperity. Our prosperity is a testimony to people that we know and who know us. Psalms 35, 27 says that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Now, I want to tell you, spend a few minutes on a part of, of financial matters that most people don't touch on. And that is the word integrity. If you're going to operate successfully in finances, you have to have integrity. We're living in a time where people are backing off from paying their bills. You know, now some of it I know, you know, jobs have been lost, pay is being cut, you know, and they're and, and they're under pressure. But let me tell you, just because just because you're under pressure from that way doesn't mean you don't need to you don't need to pay what you've committed to pay. Now, God will give you a way to, to pay it. He'll, he'll, he'll help you to pay it. You know, but you don't back up. You know, integrity says that what I've committed to, what I've given my word to, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you signed your name to a piece of paper. There was a day when all it took was a handshake. A person's word was worth more than any signature on a piece of paper. And today, we're, unfortunately, we're living in a society, well, I didn't sign anything. Yeah, but you said you'd do this. I didn't sign anything. You got something with a signature on it? Where's the integrity in that? There's no integrity in that. If we expect God to be a person of his word, which, does anybody expect God to be a person of his word? Do we not count on the fact that he is unchangeable in his word? Well, then you and I should be just as equally unchangeable in our word. 
When we have committed to something that concerns finances, we need to live up to it. Now, I know years ago we, we were in a, in a particular project at the old church, a renovation project. There were many people who committed to a certain amount of money to help that, that renovation project get done. Do you know how many people never did it? Do you think we're going to go to them and say, excuse me, you know, hello, hello, where's the money? You said you'd do this, where's the money? We had it on, we had it on writing. I mean, they had they'd written down what they were going to commit to. No, you know, that, I'm going to have to leave that between them and God. You know, but we, 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 we know somebody currently, a pastor. I'm, I'm appalled at this myself. But a pastor that if you're in church on Sunday and they don't see a tithe check from you. Now, you know, as, you, know as you, you know people, you know, you know whether they get paid once a week or every two weeks or twice a month or once a month. But, but these, this pastor, I mean, they have, they have some people in their office who really are current with that kind of information. And if you're there on Sunday and they know this was your pay period that you should have had tithe in and they don't see it come Wednesday, you get a phone call on Thursday. Seriously. And they want a commitment out of you on paper, what you're going to do for the building fund. They have like eight areas they expect their people to give to. And, and if, you don't, if you don't meet, they want you to write it down. And if you don't meet it, they're on the phone to you. If the phone call doesn't work, the next higher up is on the phone to you. And it could be that if you still don't do what they say you're supposed to do or that you've committed to do, they will show up at your door. Now, people think we're tough? Come on. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. But, you know, you shouldn't have to be dogged to meet commitments. You know, we ought to handle our finances in such a way that we are above reproach. You know, our credit scores ought to be some of the highest around. You know, around here at the church, we have that kind of commitment to finances and, and, to, and to paying bills. Usually, I'm on the phone going, okay, I need a bill from you so I can pay you. Yeah, but we don't do bills until next week. I said, yeah, but I want to know what it is now. I do this at the end of the year because I don't like to leave, as far as the church is concerned, I like to leave one year with everything paid. So come the 26th of December, nobody uses a church credit card. Absolutely not. You're going to wait five days till the first year because I'm paying this thing off today and nobody's going to put anything on it. You know, I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't want to leave the year with, with, everything, with everything not being paid. But churches have a bad reputation. A lot of people don't want to do business with a church because it takes them so long to get money out of a church. Is that right, Doug? I mean, he's, had, he's, he's told me about some situations recently where he, he thought he was never going to get paid by a church. You know, and so that's a reputation no Christian should have and no church especially should have. Integrity is something that, that reflects not only on you. If you call yourself a Christian and people know you call yourself a Christian, it reflects badly on God. And if they know where you go to church, it reflects badly on your church. Seriously. You think, oh, it's just me. No, no. Mm -mm. No. Do you know how many people have have quit going to church because of the business dealings they had with Christians that really was bad. It affects people. And they get the wrong attitude about God, the wrong attitude about what Christians are supposed to be like. But there ought to be integrity in the way we handle our finances. Listen, I know when the pressure's on. I know when there's extenuating circumstances. It's easy to back up and just say, well, I, I'll just... 
I'll just kind of skirt it. Just, I'll do it just this once. It's a just this once mentality. Well, once you've done just this once once, it's easy to do just this once again. Now, you know, you ever heard of anybody who embezzled money from their company? Don't you suspect that, that at some point it was like, well, I really need this. I'm just going to take this, this 5 or $10 just this once. And, you know, a little pressure comes on and, and they're back to, okay, well, you know, I'll just do it just this once. You know, and people have stolen millions of dollars, but it started with just this once. I suspect Bernie Madoff started out with a just this once. And it became a lifestyle to him. You can't afford to do that. I read a quote here just today, and this man wrote this. He said, he was talking about integrity, and it said, he wrote this. He said, it's easier to hold to your principles 100% of the time than it is to hold to them 98% of the time because you've created a safe place. When you unequivocally will not cross this line ever for any reason, you've created a safe place for yourself. And so you and I have to live up to that standard of integrity that we expect God to. If we really trust God, we shouldn't have a problem with our integrity either. Because he, we, we know he's always going to come through, meet our needs. So the extenuating circumstances and the pressure, what, what's the difference? God's going to take care of it. And remember, you know, when they say it's the last day to get this in, it's never the last day. There's always a little bit more time. You know, sometimes we want to say, well, God, you know, uh, now would be a really good time to, you know, to take care of this. Listen, God knows what he's doing. You know, he said he'd meet your need. Just chill out. Then it's on its way. It's on its way. Remember I talked a few weeks ago, we talked about standing. It's kind of like a, an airplane and, and a holding pattern. You know, you keep your joy going. Your joy is the fuel that keeps you up there while God's clearing the path to what it is you need. Because sometimes certain things have to be rearranged. Certain things have to be gotten out of the way. Certain conditions have to be changed. You know, just keep you joyful. You know, and just know he's taking care of it. But never get into a just this once mentality where your integrity is concerned. Don't use your tithe money to pay bills. There are people in today's economy that even though they can make a mortgage payment, that, I mean, I read this about some people in California and I appreciate what this lady had to say so much. She said, all my neighbors, people around me, people I know, you know, are up way upside down in California because the prices of real estate were so high at one time. They bought in at the high point. She said, we actually can afford to pay our mortgage. Even though we know that we're like $200,000 upside down in this house, we can afford to pay it. You know, and some of our friends are just stopping paying their mortgages just because they can. They can get away with it. You know, they come in, they can get some government help or whatever, you know, to keep their house. But they can afford to pay it. She said, we're not doing that. We made a commitment. You know, and as long as we can pay it, we're paying it. That's the kind of integrity you and I need to have when it comes to it. I, You know, the Bible says that a man swears to his own hurt. If you've committed to something, you know, and it means you're going to have to sacrifice some things to meet that commitment, you just swore to your own hurt. God will honor that honor that. I appreciate Robert. You know, when I worked for him for about a year and a half back in the mid-80s, you know, I, I remember one time in particular, he bid a job on, was it a grocery store, Robert? Or went the Winn-Dixie. 
And for some reason, he, he does figures in his head great and better than any calculator. But this one day he made a mistake. And so the bid he gave these folks was way under what he really should have given them to him. But because he put his word out there, he honored that. And I don't, if I recall right, it wasn't too long after that till we had what he called gravy jobs rolling in. Jobs that cost very little but with big profit. God, God rewarded that. Listen, if you will keep your integrity intact, God will reward that. But if you don't have integrity in finances, you've opened yourself up a big door for the enemy to come in and to take advantage of you. So with all the other things, budgets, you know, all this topic, if you don't have any integrity to back it up, you know, you've still got an open door for the enemy to work. So don't do that. Okay, I think I covered it all. Anybody have any questions? You have two minutes to ask, ask a question. <laughs> Can we send this tape to the president? I don't think he'd listen to it, hon. <laughs> if you got a question, I'll be around. You can ask later. But anyway, it was just a little, you know, I just felt like it was just a little booster shot that some folks needed where it comes to, to money and economics, you know, for right now. So I hope you got something out of that between last week and this week. We love you. You're a blessing. Go home. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.